The Templars took over by force and their blood rituals sacrificed every virgin girl in the village. They continued to ravage the countryside until the King of Spain conquered them and brought them to trial. They were hung and left for all to witness that witchcraft was forbidden. The crows ate the eyes out of the cadaver. Welcome once again to Once Stay Dead, the podcast that looks at the murky world of cult and horror films. Yay! Uh, This uh, time we're looking at uh, Amando de Osorio's Tombs of the Blind Dead, classic uh, Spanish horror from 1972. Kind of precipitated the European zombie boom, so um, yeah, pretty uh, important film, I guess. Um, some people might say. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll introduce the panel at the start of the show. So uh, joining me from across the Irish Sea in Belfast is uh, young David Hanna. Hello. And Senior Crazy of P. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I said Senior uh, there, uh, Crazy P, because I, 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 I don't know if you know this, but uh, Senior is um, Spanish for Mr. I, I, that's why. Well, <laughs> what me. a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> and I assume Senior is uh, an even more senior Mr. Uh, is why you called me that. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, Here we go. <laughs> So, first uh, podcast in a while, lads. Uh, first podcast, I think, so maybe since our Christmas special. Yeah, I think so. Oh. Definitely the first podcast of 2018. Yeah. So. The final year of humanity. I know. That's right. It's all, it's all going to end, isn't it, soon? Looks like it. it. Yeah, it's like one of those things, you know, oh, the world's going to end this day and we'll all, uh, you know, give a yeah. shit, shit about that for a week. Oh, yeah. That, uh, that planet is meant to arrive and yeah. kill us all in Mars? Like, a week's time. Nehru or something. What is no, it? No, it's just like some. I, I haven't read it into it, but apparently it's some yeah. some exoplanet is going to race across the cosmos and into our yeah. system and smash into Earth. Who said this? Uh, some fucking mad guy. Uh, <laughs> and everyone gives a shit. <laughs> like in the street? Uh, I think maybe in the street, and then he went into a church <laughs> and he kept saying it. I think he. I think it was meant to happen like seven times already, um, like really specific dates. Uh-huh. So you know, you know, one of these, one of these lads. So <laughs> uh, well, anyway, anyway, speaking of the apocalypse, uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead, I guess you could say was uh, kind of precipitated the uh, zom- Euro zombie boom of the um, mid to late seventies uh, and into the early eighties. Um, because I suppose like it was before Dawn of the Dead, it was before uh, Manchester Morgue. Um, it was kind of one of the first proper zombie films to come after Night of the Living Dead. So it's one, but, kind of one of those, uh, um, for some reason, slightly underrated, um, under underlooked films. De Osorio argues about the use of the term zombies because they're the Blind Dead are not uh, mindless, apparently. Yeah, true. Um, but I'm sure we'll uh, discuss all that in in due course. Yeah. Um, just because we're doing a bit of a a Spanish film. I've got some nice uh, Rioja tonight, so I'm drinking a nice glass of nice. Spanish red wine. And because it was filmed in uh, Lisbon, uh, I've got some nice uh, red vintage port as well. Excellent. I've got a, a homebrewed Amberillo, which doesn't have a name, but I thought maybe for tonight's purposes I would call it like Ray Charles Brow because he's both blind and dead. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Is everybody who's dead not blind, though, technically? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, yeah, Fleabag? You drinking Tell anything that, good? Yeah. 
I've got a bottle of that Moonbeam Mashdown stuff. Oh, nice. Uh, ah. I suppose you could say there's loads of Moonbeams in the, the film. Sure. Yeah, and they <laughs> yeah. uh, sort of mash down the, the people gets. at the end on the yeah. train. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll uh, have, have a few drinks and come back and talk about uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead after this. Hark, Mighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence with the sacrifice the holy order of the blood ritual as you so command. Our friend was murdered at Berzano. Huh? At Berzano? That's where the Templar Cemetery is. This is magnificent. It appears that some kind of animal has attacked her. As though she wished torture. How did she die, Doctor? She bled to death. It surely looked like the work of a sadist. Quite a few sadists, judging from the different sets of teeth marks. I know it would sound crazy, but I think she was the victim of a death ritual. There was this old legend that they used to tell the children when we were bad. It was silly, I guess, but it still makes frightened. It was haunted by the Templars, Grisano, that is, and there were ghosts. There's been many strange deaths. They found many bodies there. Open the door! Open it! Open it! They're coming! Open it for God's sake! Uh, so yeah, uh, tonight's uh, film is uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead, um, Amando de Osorio, 1972, um, and it's kind of a weird one. It was th- there weren't ever films that I'd kind of uh, known about when I was growing up or anything because there was like four Blind Dead films that Osorio made between like 1972 and 1975, I think. Um, Tombs of the Blind Dead is the first one, and then there's the second one's Return of the Evil Dead. Must have just been to try and cash in on Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, I guess. And then it goes to Ghost Galleon. The third one, where the, where the blind dead are kind of uh, attacking this this haunted ship. I thought Return of the Evil Dead came before Evil Dead. Well, yeah, it, it probably did, but then it was probably subsequently... Uh, oh, okay, retitled. Retitled, for, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Because like, uh, Ghost Galleon was also known as Horror, Horror of the Zombies, I think. Right, okay. Um, Ghost Galleon's a way, way better title. Yeah, they do something fun. with this as well, to do with Planet of the Apes. Yeah, they did a really weird thing, which I was actually going to... Um, later, later on, but so the fourth film was Night, Night of the Seagulls, and that was released in the UK on pre-cert video, and eventually became one of the 70, 72 video nasties. Yeah, so the fourth film, um, Night of the Seagulls, was actually a video nasty in the UK, and it was re-released under the title uh, "Don't Open the Door" or something like that. So it was kind of retitled as like a don't film, you know, like don't go in the house, right, okay. or, you know, yeah, don't don't go near the park, or don't answer the phone. But, yeah, uh, yeah. So like, um, they're obviously like really, really once you kind of get into the world and look at all the fans on the internet and stuff you realise that they're really really celebrated kind of cult horror films uh, and he did make four of them like and they're, so they're kind of pr- relatively well known amongst most horror fans but like mm-hmm. I had never even heard of them until I started working in HMV after uni um, it was like 2008 or something and I was like um, searching through the, the horror section one day and I just came across this the Anchor Bay box set um, which has the four films and then a, a fifth disc which is like a 30 minute um, documentary on De Osorio um, and I'd never heard of them before, but I just thought, oh, that that sounds absolutely class. And then watched them, obviously. Um, like had to get the DVD, the, the DVDs, and then kind of since then, like I kind of struggled to find anyone who actually properly likes uh, the Blind Dead films. Most people kind of watch them and kind of go, oh yeah, they're okay, like, but they're a bit boring, <laughs> a bit tedious. But it, the, the, but the more I watch them, the more I love them. I, I think there's just something really um, atmospheric and creepy about them. You bet. You may be struggling on for a while yet, but <laughs> uh, well, we'll what, see. What did you think, Crazy P? <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> had uh, you seen any, uh, like had you seen or, or or even heard of them before? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I maybe heard of Ghost Galleon, but I might have got it confused with something else. I hadn't heard of this one. I don't think. I thought it was like at best it was kind of banal. Uh, <laughs> and, and like banal not in like a mumblecore or like dirty realist way but like banal in like a like fucking hell the dialogue and this is just so so under fucking cooked that <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just awful at the worst it was like misguidedly disturbing and I think and by that I mean the end there were parts most of it was just like fuck's sake trundle trundle along but like uh, there were a few parts where things got actually quite disturbing to the point where it was like it was like in some other movies like maybe like the way Pasolini would do it where he makes something really disturbing but he's like has a commentary in something but I didn't see an obvious commentary in this you know um, or like in Cannibal Holocaust where they're like brutal bits and you think right fucking hell that is way over the top but you can see how it serves the purpose to like make a comment on something relevant to the the director and possibly this is happening in this but it had the same sort of feel, but I couldn't feel the. I couldn't feel. I couldn't figure the point. I couldn't work out what the fuck he was trying to say. But what are the uh, disturbing parts that you're referring to? Uh, well, there's the rape, obviously. Um, it's maybe one of the most convincing parts was like the aftermath of that when uh, I've forgotten her name, but the victim is like is sort of like sort of looks like she's sort of numb with shock, and then the bet. other bet, yeah, is sort of uh, like sort of numb with shock, but then. Uh, is it Pedro? Pedro's yeah. like girlfriend is like uh, really harassing her and like guilt tripping her and stuff, and like that is I guess yeah sort of maybe an inadvertent kind of valuable sort of commentary on like rape culture and stuff. But <laughs> um, I'm not sure if that was in. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would give enough credit to Dudosorio to say that was the intent. Also, then the fucking murders on the train at the end or or mantle <laughs> uh, with the. the kid whose mom's getting fucking slaughtered and stuff that's that's disturbing that's so good with um, the blood actually dripping on uh, the kid's face yeah and i thought like well that is where this turns into a proper horror movie and not just like something that something that could have been trimmed like yeah the rest of the movie i thought like this could have been trimmed by 40 minutes you know but mm. that is where you know the real the real horror starts and it's right at the end Ari, the uh, rape scene, I think it's just badly handled. I just think it's a, a rape scene that, that hasn't been responsibly handled, basically. I think it's just kind of shit culture of the time. The way the female characters are sort of, like, drawn through the rest of the, the film, I don't think, I don't think like, he is trying to make a responsible sort of statement. I think he's just uh, putting the, the erect and director, you know, yeah. being that guy. Um, especially, like, the fact that the two women... He has the two like the two main uh, characters at the beginning have like uh, like a reminisce of like uh, just a, a lesbian affair that you know doesn't seem to have any sort of bearing on the plot whatsoever, other than like um, he probably just really got off on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, D, what were your kind of uh, initial um, like? Had you ever heard of the the Blind Dead before this? Uh, I think just through yourself, Ian. I think um, did we watch one of them once uh, a good while ago? You and me and Keith watched uh, Ghost Galleon at Keith's house uh, years ago. 
Yeah, but that's how I've only heard of them, and then I don't think that really inspired me to go and seek the rest of them out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I finally watched it, I guess. Um, but I, I'd probably be uh, have similar sentiments to Paul on it. I it just yeah, I did just trundle along. Um, lots of <laughs> stuff that uh, like I, I couldn't understand half the motivation of some of the characters in it. Yeah. Like what? But. Uh, like, where do you start? Like, jump off a fucking train. Them. Yeah, but but that's that was the first thing I've got written down. Like, she just sort of suddenly <laughs> goes mad and goes right, fuck this, I'm away. But she's jealous because like she's, <laughs> know, she, because because she's in love with Bet and uh, and she's also probably in love with Roger and the two of them are going to get together and uh, you know so yeah, she, but, she doesn't like that so she jumps off the train. I wouldn't <laughs> jump off the train. <laughs> I also thought that, like, if she was really your friend and she jumped jumped off the train, would you not jump off the train after her? Would you? Maybe. Like, Maybe. But I suppose it depends, like, what, uh, what speed it's going at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she had obviously, like, just safely jumped off, but, yeah. like... Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I would. No. <laughs> it depends. Depends who who it was really that's the thing you'd probably like go oh we have to we obviously have to jump off and, and then ha- and help her and then you start you'd see like the, the ground moving beneath your feet and go actually I don't think we can yeah, jump yeah, off here guys <laughs> yeah. there was a few different things the, the funniest one well I'll probably come to it later because like maybe two thirds of the way into the film but you know that the smuggler fella Pedro yeah, the, the one who does commit the rape in the end um, Pedro yeah, his motivation to just go. I know. Uh, uh, do you want to come with yeah. us? Oh, yeah, sure. And then it just cuts and they're there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think at first he's like, "Why? Why would I go with you?" And they're like, "You should come with us." And he's like, "Okay, that's." <laughs> really right. Persuade him. Uh, also, he looks like he's uh, from West Side Story. He'll be flick knife and everything. I know the way he's like. Uh... <laughs> Roger holds up his gun and he's like, "Oh, you know, give that gun to the women. Take this re- really ridiculously class gun. Oh, okay, cool. What are you gonna have? Oh, I've got a knife. Yeah. <laughs> I like also that the, uh, okay. the really ridiculously class gun is like maybe an inch wider than the the other, or an inch longer than the other gun. I like I don't know anything about guns, but it doesn't look like it wouldn't really impress me much more than the other one. Yeah." Do you not at least kind of appreciate like the kind of really really strong gothic uh, aesthetic? Like the opening credit sequence yeah. is amazing, isn't it? With this scratching. Going around the uh, the uh, ruins. Would it? Yeah, one of the first films to kind of uh, come up with that aesthetic. Or would that know. have been a, a trope by that stage? You know, with that I kind think. of chanting and stuff? A lot of it kind of reminds me of the old Ghost Stories for Christmas serials that the BBC did in the early 70s and late 60s. Yeah. You know, the kind of like the MRGM stuff. But it's still not come to you. Like... Yeah, exactly. Or something like, you know, um, the, the stalls of Barchester where like it kind of opens with, you know, like uh, cloisters and church bells ringing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then there's also um, that uh, the Charles Dickens adaptation that was done by the BBFC or BBFC by the BBC in uh, the seventies, uh, the Signalman. Oh, the Signalman, yeah, 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 it's fantastic. The kind of like the train coming in and going out really, really evokes that in uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a direct influence. Oh, I suppose maybe they wouldn't have had access to British television, but certainly that kind of British style of filmmaking was a massive influence on Jess Franco because basically most of the uh, Hammer successful Hammer films like Dracula and Frankenstein and things like that. Um, Jess Franco would have just basically made his own version. Like Jess Franco made uh, films called Dracula about Dracula, starring Christopher Lee as Dracula, but no one's ever heard of yeah. him because no one really cares yeah, about yeah. Jess Franco. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it would definitely would have been the same with Amanda Desorio. Definitely would have been um, 
uh, aware, I think, of the kind of the Hammer films, and definitely would have been an influence. But uh, I suppose, like, apparently, anyway, one of his um, major influences was um, Night of the Living Dead. Right. Okay. I think it's because, like, you know, a bunch of characters blockaded into a house with things, yeah, like, things outside. It. Yeah. Things yeah. bursting through the doors and burning upstairs. <laughs> things that only only happen in Night of the Living Dead. But no, yeah, I can see that. Like, yeah, especially the like the bursting through the the doors and grabbing you kind yeah. of. Yeah. Kind of thing and the way they move as well i guess even though they're not really zombies but um like do you think they're zombies d would you say they're zombies i suppose it's a hard one to call like probably i, I can't yeah i can't remember like um the exact definition around zombie but uh i'm just gonna say yes it's like i don't really see much else going on that would indicate they aren't do zombies not need to have some sort of like either mindless quality or well, maybe uh, I guess like zombies aren't necessarily mindless. They can just like be driven towards one thing, and these guys are sort of driven towards one thing. Mm. Um, I was going to say something else insightful about zombies there, but uh, I suppose they can they can ride horses seemingly that come from nowhere. So yeah, true. I yeah. think uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. How the fuck knows? But Desorio. Uh, <laughs> argue that they weren't zombies because they they're not mindless but then yeah like not all zombies are mindless obviously it's interesting to consider the this whole weird templar knights thing that he's kind of done you know because he could have just said that oh these are just these weird skeleton zombies but he's kind of each of the films i think draws upon this templar knights legend when was that that book that like fucking inspired da vinci code written the blood what was it called the blood and was it around the 60s 70s it was like a mm, and it like yeah i think it like drew heavily in the templar legend and stuff that maybe was slightly before this time but i guess the templars played a big part in like european history anyway so but also i think i read that uh he didn't explicitly call them templars uh oh, yeah but actually in the the subtitle version i i watched um uh, they are referred to as templars yeah it says in the dubbed version as well hmm. yeah but I think it's like, um, like in the original Spanish, they weren't called uh, Knights Templar or, yeah. Knights or whatever. Like they dressed like Knights Templar, and they, and they've got the weird like um, hooked cross gravestones and stuff. Oh, the book I'm talking about is Holy Blood yeah. and Holy Grail, but that's yeah. 1982. So each each film um, is is pretty much entirely separate, even though they they retain certain similarities. So each film, apart from Goose Galleon, um, each of the three films is basically a person comes to a village. For some reason, that village is really creepy and no one talks about it. And then the Templar Knights turn up and you find out that the Templar Knights were murdered or excommunicated by the Pope and murdered. But each in each, each of the films, the story is slightly different and the way that they die is slightly different. So in yeah. this one, it's like they get hanged and the crews pick out their eyes. But mm-hmm. then at the start of Return of the Evil Dead, the second film, it's like the a riotous mob from a local village kills them and burns out their eyes with, with wooden mm. stakes. It's a nasty one. Yeah. <laughs> so are these like... Uh, sorry to interrupt there um, but like are these similar to like the original zombies that you would have got like from voodoo culture that kind of thing no well not really as far as I know because like before Night of the Living Dead most of the time in horror films zombies were like slaves they would like obey obey their master basically like yeah. um, that um 1966 uh, Hammer film Plague of the Zombies or like the really early um, you know like White Zombie and I Walk to the Zombie and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. it's always like this, this evil master who's using the zombies as like mindless slaves to you know dig rocks out of a canal or a, a quarry or something like that or you know build something or and then but then Romero makes them these weird kind of mindless um, kind of insatiable cannibals if you had an army of zombies 
I think I don't think I can really think of anything to get them to do. Really, <laughs> like just dig dig some fucking rocks. Yeah. <laughs> For fuck's sake! Like oh, fuck's sake! Go go do something. <laughs> go go think of something. Just go else away. God's sake! <laughs> I remember whenever. Um... <laughs> Whenever I was really, really getting into, into the Italian, all the Italian zombie films with my friend uh, Flyspo, um, who I lived with in Glasgow, uh, we would just sit all the time and watch, watch uh, Italian zombie films. And um, so we loved zombie flesh eaters, and we'd seen like Burial Ground, I think, as well. But then we watched Zombie Holocaust. At one stage, one of the, the protagonists is, you know, um, confronting like this evil doctor guy who's using the zombies to carry out his bidding, and the zombies burst through the wall and grab the hero, and uh, the evil guy goes, "Seize him!" And the zombies like obey and grab his arms and we were like no <laughs> no they're not proper zombies oh yeah. film ruined <laughs> yeah you know so at, at least the blind dead like they don't take orders from no one yeah but well, what is their like uh, purpose then prolong their immortality um uh. immortality shouldn't really need prolonged i guess but like uh <laughs> it uh yeah i think um they just keep performing that ritual but the, it's not even a ritual anymore. They just drink blood. They're sort of just vampires, I guess. I mean, are they enjoying themselves? So, I don't know. Yeah. They don't seem like, I mean, just in general. Not you never sort of smile. And... People. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but they're not actually just like actually eating people. They're just lying in their, their graves. So yeah. <laughs> It doesn't really take much for them to, to wake up. Actually, so let's talk about that um, that scene. So basically after Birhinia jumps off the train, uh, mm-hmm. she walks towards the village of Berthano where the uh, where the Knights Templar live where the, the blind dead live and um, she just randomly goes into this weird old building with like wooden beams falling off and like all, all overgrown with like arid shrubbery and just decides oh yeah I'll definitely just sleep here for the night and she like she lights, yeah. a, she lights a fire with absolute ease all she's got instead is instead like, of what? like following the railway track back the way she came yeah like five minutes should be you know, yeah. the, the really slow train let's just, let's just walk around this across this massive field to get to this old deserted village <laughs> she's got good taste in music though whenever she's like listening to her, I know uh, yeah. yeah really really good jazz yeah I, actually <laughs> I meant to look up what that was um but uh, it's class jazz. There's actually it, it has a good soundtrack as well. There's like uh, even some of the sort of the baroque kind of stuff they've got going. Mm. It has like a jazz jazz element to it as well. Mm. It's, it's good. Yeah. But what about this? What, what about the actual scene when when the blind dead rise from their tombs and they you know pulling off the slabs and everything? It's cool, isn't it? It's really yeah, it is cool. I I quite like uh, tombstones rattling. Yeah, <laughs> in, exactly. In films, even when it looks shit. It's a it's a nice it's a nice trope. Sometimes when you when you watch a horror film, you just want to see like an old graveyard and like hooded skeletal figures pulling back gravestones and coming out. It's like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. Sometimes that's just like absolute True. horror bliss. <laughs> I did, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just think the well, I think it's just dated a fair bit. Like um, it has. I, I think it might have been different if you had been watching it back then. Mm. But. Uh, it's just the funny wee hands that have and everything. I know. <laughs> and, and some of them have, uh, I noticed some of them have mittens as well. The wee hands. Because <laughs> it's true, like, it's like the, their hands are almost cute. Cause they, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like a wee stick yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah, it sort of seems like, because anytime you see, like, say, the hand coming through a window or a door, it's just something you could probably, like, hit away gently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, they, no. are, they are they are literally even more so than zomb- than like like Romero zombies. They will literally stand still, and you can and you can like walk past them, 
and they they <laughs> might they might put out their really fragile skeletal hand, but you can just brush it aside and walk on. Yeah, but it's only whenever you actually get on your horse and then they get on their horse that they're absolutely lethal. Yeah. I think they just hate noise. Yeah. Seems to be. Is that, like, is that their, is their, their motivation? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's supposed to be that they can hear your heartbeat. Okay. Yeah. Apparently. And that the scene where you sort of work out that they can hear your heartbeat, the way it's filmed is basically just like, oh yeah, these guys can hear tits. It's uh, <laughs> it's just a uh, another erotic or uh, horny director shot, like. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, any kind of research I've done into the Blind Dead films, it seems as though they're not really that well known in Spain. In fact, um, Amado de Osorio is from uh, a the area, the region of northern Spain called Galicia. And I actually like worked with a girl from Galicia and I remember asking her about the Madre de Osorio. Have you ever heard? And she was like, basically born in the town that she lived in or whatever. And she's like, no, I've never heard of him. And she had like yeah. uh, this friend who worked at a, on, a, uh, on a newspaper uh, in Galicia. She's like a sort of Spanish journalist, basically, working in the same county or whatever. And, he, and she'd never heard of him either. Yeah, I guess like, though, like, sort of like asking people from England if they've heard of the directors of Hammer movies and stuff, and they probably won't. It's even a bit niche for, like, locals, I would guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I suppose so. But, Do you um, think he should be a national hero? Yeah, no, I mean, because, like, I, I ultimately agree with you. you know, guys, you know, like, like, the films aren't great, and they're not something that you're going to kind of really enjoy. You know, like, like, a, like a really, really good <laughs> Jess Franco film you can sit down and enjoy from start to finish because it's really good. Whereas, like... Tombs of the Blind Dead, it's like, yeah, you do have to kind of sit through a bit, you know, a bit of shit, uh, a bit of shit dialogue and stuff. And um, most of the time, whenever like a uh, kind of like a set piece begins, you think, right, well, obviously the woman is going to be absolutely fucking pathetic in this scene mm-hmm. and just like fall over and be shit. Although having said that, they're not too bad actually. The uh, the uh, victims, I mean, um, Perhenia does manage to kind of, you know, run up the steps and jump out over the wall and onto a horse and ride away, which is pretty good. She nearly makes it. However, Bet makes it. She basically gets everybody killed because she makes it really fucking hard to <laughs> for that guy to get her out of the train. Isn't that she the most just like agonizing? She's hurt. Scene. Yeah, she's hurt her leg, but like she's hurt, hurt one leg, but she just like everything in her body just goes uh, whenever yeah. that guy tries to lift her. And, oh, uh, for God's sake! She gets a sack of potatoes, <laughs> and, uh, and then she and then she scrambles aboard, and then she's fine. Yeah, she gets yeah. She scrambles around that train like and on top of all the fucking coal and stuff, and then she gets off, and the guy's like got his arm around her, and she's all right. And... Yeah, I mean, mean rather the uh, two uh, train drivers have been knifed, have been like yeah. ruined. It's like bet. And <laughs> also, uh, sorry, go Pedro had a pretty like uh, avoidable death as well. Yeah, he could have yeah. just run away. Yeah, but uh, they would slowly succumb to their <laughs> their wee hands. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mean it, it's the same in the Andrea Bianchi's Burial Ground and all those kind of like European zombie films that followed the, the, the kind of success, success of Romero. So many of them just have those like pathetic zombies that like you could easily run out, run away from, but people just go, "Don't come any closer! I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> if you come any closer, I'll shoot. I promise, I'll shoot you. Don't come any closer." <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten her name, but like Pedro's girlfriend, um, she is a pretty bad victim as well. She just stands screaming in a corner, and like, also when they're like reaching out to her, she has her hands out as if she's like trying to block them. But like, she puts her hands in between them, like she doesn't even try to like touch them. She like just sort of puts her hands into the spaces between them as if like that'll help fend them off. She's 
asking to be eaten. It must be really uh, difficult but... for the actor though, because the actor's like going, "Well, I could easily just punch each one of you." In the yeah, I now. guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I like, really understand her kissing your man as well. Uh, uh, what's his name again? The... Roger. Roger. Yeah. Just sort of like whenever Pedro goes off with uh, your woman, she comes on to him all of a sudden. Yeah. Is that just the director being a bit of a? So. Is she trying to make Pedro jealous or something? Or? Maybe. I don't know. She does say something earlier about like she could have other men. Yeah. Uh, it's really so. funny how yeah, Pedro's introduced because he's actually the son of the uh, the big rinsy, like rinsy professor. Pencil neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I love um, the professor's reaction to... Was it? Is it finding out about his son still being alive or something? Yeah, yeah, his son is Pedro, and yeah. he just yeah collapses yeah. onto the table, like, yeah. <laughs> like really dramatically. <laughs> yeah. He's. I wanted to see more of him and less of everybody else. Really, like. What about um, the weird fucking uh, creepy guy in the morgue? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is his is problem? The plays with the frog. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, that old the light uh, going back and forth and uh, like so it, which provides an interesting effect I guess but like also the fact that he like fucking pulls the sheet off the wrong woman oh, <laughs> yeah. like this comic comic moment uh, and he's um, like he's like smirking at them um, as they're kind of like get, getting ready to look at their you know deceased loved one he's kind of like you know got this like shifty smirking like he can't wait to see yeah. them in their faces like obviously a really creepy weirdo that no one else can fucking see like why has he still got that job He's clearly I guess, a psycho. Yeah, I guess they've uh, they've just like drawn a caricature mortician. You know? Yeah, he's, he's definitely like a kind of like the kind of weird professory guy you get in a Jess Franco film. I, like I, I do mm-hmm. definitely think Amanda de Osorio must have been really heavily influenced by Jess Franco, or maybe it was just like because like I often think like we said before that there's like a if you're watching a you know like an Italian horror film kind of like mid seventies to mid eighties, you can tell for some reason there's just something about it. You can tell that's an that's an Italian film. There's something really mm. Italian. You can't put your finger on it. It's almost kind yeah. of the same with like um, Spanish films of the period as well. You can tell when you're watching a Spanish film. I thought especially during the kind of like a lesbian college scene that that was really really like a classic kind of Jess Franco. You know. Um, you know, like kind of non-exploitation type, you know, <laughs> yeah. sexploitation type film. Yeah. It's definitely the kind of thing that he would do. I like yeah. the bit of a whole fucking tub of Vaseline over the lens as well <laughs> for, <laughs> for like for romantic effect. <laughs> I was also like casting it from YouTube, and I thought the first time around, oh, for fuck's sake, the fucking Chromecast is packed in. But actually, no, it's just that's just what it looks like. Just so you're aware that you're definitely watching something that happened in the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But why was he playing with the frog? Like yeah. it was in a fishbowl, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and yeah. he's like, uh, he says something creepy, like, uh, oh, "I'm not done playing with you," as if he's <laughs> going to give her a fucking blowjob or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but and then it's... Virginia gets some Virginia. Um, but yeah, I was also going to say whenever we were speaking about the uh, kind of the female characters aren't too shit. Uh, Nina's pretty good, you know the girl who works in the, for Bet in the in the mannequin oh, yeah. shop. Uh, yeah, she manages. Yeah, comes out on top. Really. Yeah, she like yeah. she basically survives. I think pretty yeah. much every every time I see the film, I kind of go, oh yeah, this scene. Of, and subconsciously, I'm thinking this scene obviously ends with Nina being killed. Yeah, and then I go, oh no, yeah, she survives. She actually manages to set Bethenia on fire. And actually, it's, that's quite a good scene as well. Like the fire, like they use a kind of dodgy effect where, like, the fire is obviously like on a frame in front of the the frame with um, Bohemia, the dummy melting and like going on fire. Then, like, 
the sort of back and forth between that mm. is is nice. Really, really nice. The the scene where uh, Bethany is on fire really reminded me of um, Don't Go in the House. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know the scene where it cuts to the woman uh, chained up, burning. Yeah, yeah. See what the is it like? <laughs> Beth <laughs> is the owner of that place, isn't she? <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So, like, so Beth's a local, then I'm guessing. She does she mention she, about, like, she'd moved there or something? Yeah, started um, a business at the start. That but then, moved from Paris or something was, or did I make? Um, I'm not sure. Would she not have heard of these things? Yeah. Well, the town seems to be far enough from like Bersano, because the girl who what do you call her? The girl who um, actually sets fire to uh, Bernina. Nina. 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 Because uh, she's a local and she knows about it, but she, um, oh, yeah. but that that town seems to be seems to be distinct. It seems to be far enough away that this is hasn't reached them. Hmm. I think. Um, but then, obviously, when the train arrives with the the fucking zombies, then I wonder if this home. happens all the time. Like, like any time someone goes into that area, do they just get attacked by the wee hands? And... <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they do say something. Yeah. I'm going to say like, oh, like you know, um, if you go in there. You know, you're fucked, basically. I landfill it or something. It's conquered it over. They say it's been... They say it's been abandoned for 100 years, but the tablers have been buried there for like 600 years. Yeah. So it's 500 years of, like, obviously people living there and getting on all right. But maybe they were quiet. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't they say something as well about how they were Satan worshippers too at one point? Yeah. Satanic rituals and witchcraft or something? Yeah. 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 Nobody just... does that anymore. Yeah. It's the 20th century. <laughs> yeah. But but the that's, um... that's your just believing. This is that nobody does that anymore. <laughs> yeah. No one in the entirety of Spain does that anymore. Case closed. <laughs> um I love the detectives. The the one with like <laughs> yeah. he's it got like he's got a flower in his jacket or is it like a I'm not sure if it's a, a, a kerchief or something but um, I don't know how dapper they are I know <laughs> um, yeah it's interesting because the uh, second one uh, Return of the Evil Dead um, it actually takes place in a village called uh, Bursano spelled okay. like B-O-U-R-Z but you know kind of similar yeah obviously the same like name. the cheese yeah <laughs> <laughs> Dupano, du Duvano, du Bursano. <laughs> so, um, but um, in in that film, the um, like the village is still being lived in. Basically, it's still like an active village with loads of people in. Okay, and they're having like a they're having like a a big fiesta to celebrate like the hundredth anniversary. Fireworks display wakes yeah. them up, or something. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a fireworks display. It's fine. <laughs> is it really? It's something <laughs> like that. Well, no, no. Each of the films, so like the, the first two and the the fourth film, each of them are set in like a, a weird creepy village, and each of them has like a weird harbinger of doom type person okay um yeah. or, well, i suppose the first one doesn't it just has the weird lab assistant he's not really a harbinger of doom but there's uh, but there's a but there's a weird creepy uh harbinger. the waitress and the the manager well the waitress in the hotels a wee bit like yeah. not really a harbinger but um, and, the, and the train drivers i suppose i love when the the manager of the hotel comes over and says is there anything wrong is there a complaint <laughs> and they're like we want a fucking horse <laughs> And uh, like, okay, of course you can have a horse. And he's like, and we're going to that horse. Fuck your superstition. <laughs> and like the manager's like, this, this is nothing, fucking nothing on me, man. Like, I haven't mentioned that time or any superstitions. You're just fucking aggressive. Um, but it's something like, 
in the second one, one of the creepy, weird har- Harbinger of Doom ga- guys like murders a woman in the churchyard, and then the, the spilling of the sacrificial, the sp- spilling of a woman's a virgin's blood on the graveyards. Like in the four hundredth anniversary, brings them back, and so the the blind dead basically attack the um the the fiesta that night in the, in the, in the town. Yeah. But the really really funny thing is that like um for the first and second and fourth films where they're mostly both uh, all three are set in like a village. They reuse loads of the footage from Tombs of the Blind Dead, so right, okay. like they reuse yeah. the, the the footage of them coming from their um their tombs, and they uh-huh. also they also reuse the footage of them chasing uh, Bet across the field. Right. Okay. Um, which is really really which is really really annoying because um the film all the original footage that is shot in the second film is all at, at night time, but then they, yeah. but then they cut to. The blind dead from the first film, and it's in daytime. So it's like, so it's like, so it's like, it's like the victims going no, and like running, running across this like pitch black road at night, and then it cuts to the blind dead chasing her at daytime through a field. <laughs> I wonder, did they like experiment with trying to use a negative and being like, can we get away with this? No, 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 it just looks shit. Fine. See that bit where they're they're chasing Beth at the end. Yeah, like uh, I'm pretty sure they were quite close to her before they got they got into the field. Yeah, and then she like, tumbles down a hill, and then like they yeah. don't seem to does, know what to do about it. Like, does it take them a while to get in their horses? Is that like I don't know? <laughs> Shit, at getting on them. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah, like the wee hands probably a trouble. Like, <laughs> one of the things actually I've kind of noticed over time watching it is, and it's a really really nice touch because it's one of those things that you only um, discover like the second or third time you watch it through, is that whenever uh, Berhenia arrives and she's like looking around the. Um, you know, the place where she's going to spend the night. She's basically looking around the place where all the action will happen later on in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that she does is she goes to the steps and she goes, she stands on the second step and crashes through it. Yeah. And then she goes back and then later on that night when she's running away from the blind dead, she crashes through the same step and gets stuck. Uh, so it's like a nice kind of foreshadowing of, of what, you know, what's going to happen later on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I do think that like, uh, Diaz Orio w- was a good director and a good storyteller. He did a really, really good, um, exorcist ripoff called, uh, possessed, something like that. <laughs> I think Luna Fleming might, might be in that. The girl who plays bet. I think so. Or it might be Maria Costi, another kind of, uh, Diaz Orio stalwart actor. Um, yeah. it's quite good actually. It's definitely worth seeking out. I think it's, you might find it better than, um, you said this was good. Yeah, I know, but like, <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah, but this is good. Tombs of the Blind Dead is a good film. Tombs of the Blind Dead is a good film. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah. So it was released in two different versions. It was released uh, in uh, the, the, the normal Spanish version, and then also the kind of American dubbed version. And um, it's kind of the same with most of these films. Um, and as we discovered with like Anthropophagus, the American version, they cut out loads of dialogue kind of tighten up everything, keep the action going. Yeah. And they also remove the uh, sacrifice scene. With the, yeah, with the... there's a version I saw on YouTube which I didn't watch, which was like 20 minutes longer. Hmm. I discovered it after I watched it and I thought, no, there's no fucking way I'm going to go well, back and watch it after 20 minutes of this shit. In the... In... <laughs> <laughs> in the... <laughs> Fuck you, Grizzly V. <laughs> in the uh, version that you watched, where does the uh, kind of ritual sacrifice scene come in? Um, Mine was at the start, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, the one I watched, it wasn't at the definitely wasn't at the like, start. Like it was the like ancient kind of sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, it was right at the start. Ah, you so, so you so you watched the US version. Oh, okay. That's all right. Been, yeah, that, that's all yeah. Been, like, t- tightened up, and obviously it's because remember we were, you were saying when we were doing a uh, tourist trap. 
the reason mm. that that amazing sequence in Tourist Trap where the guy walks into the room and all the different things come at him, all the puppets mm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason, yeah, that, the reason that was put in the first five minutes is because uh, drive through owners in the States would only um, watch the first five minutes of a film, and if it didn't grab their attention, then it wasn't going to grab the audience, ah, so they wouldn't okay. sign it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's, I think, that's why the US version puts that weird sacrifice scene at the yeah. start, so you get, ah, you, right, you get cool. like... Don't think the rape was in my version either. Yeah, no. It, oh, really? Right. Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, so you, so you watched... I'm not you, so you, surprised. <laughs> it was fucking brutal. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> so, so you actually watched the edited Tider Cut, D? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you still find it really tedious. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the it's the bit with, on the train at the end with the like the kid in your the one you watched. Oh yeah, that might have been cut as well. It does show that, but I I think it sounds like it was maybe edited slightly. The version I watched. Do you see like uh, blood, like blood spurting over the kid's face? I don't. I think it might have just cut that bit out because yeah. you see right, the okay. blood uh, splattered on the wall. But um, right, okay, and you yeah. see him go to get the kid, but you don't really see. Uh, yeah, okay. I, don't, I think it cut it out as far as I remember. Right, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's also worth talking, just because we're talking about the, the drive through market, so one of the things that US distributors did was they tried to pass this film off as a unofficial sequel to Planet of the Apes, um, which, <laughs> which, which, which I assume... Which I, assume, I think you were fucking joking about that at the beginning. No. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> which, which I assume must have been massive at the time that this uh, film came out. What and, dick brain thought that up like? I know, I know. That's um, <laughs> crazy. And it's basically it's it's done so by changing the title, obviously in the credits to Re- Revenge of the Planet Ape. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> and um, there's like a kind of quick like. <laughs> did you not read about this, Chrissy P? No. Okay. I don't think so. And so it's it starts off with a um, a sequence where uh, this narrator is basically explaining this. So it's basically, you know, the narrator is basically going, okay, guys, so basically, uh, at the end of Planet of the Apes, uh, you know, blah, 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 and this is the Planet of the sequel, okay? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, no way. This is what he says, because right. uh, I was going to play the thing, but I thought maybe, you know, um, I may as well read it out, because then, you know, we're less likely to infringe copyright law. Um, yeah. Because this is available on the, one of the extra features on the Anchor, Re- Anchor Bay release of Tombs of the Blind Dead. So you can track yeah. it down for yourself um, and watch it if you want to. I might actually. This uh, <laughs> the film yeah. dub- doubled its appeal to me now. All of a sudden, it, it's, it's on YouTube. Okay, so I'll uh, try and read it out in the in the voice in which in which the guy says it. So he goes, uh, "Legend has it, almost three hundred years ago, a simian civilization of super intelligent apes struggled with man to gain control of this planet." In the end, man conquered ape after a brutal battle, which saw him destroy the ape, his culture, and society. After this battle, man tortured and killed all the ape prisoners by piercing their eyes with a red-hot poker. (laughs) One of the prisoners, who was also the leader of the apes, vowed they would return from the dead to avenge men's brutality at a point in time before man destroyed Earth himself. That time is now. Revenge from Planet Ape! That's fucking nuts. I know! (laughs) Wait a minute, which film was that? Was this Tombs Tombs of Planet Ape? Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder what do they do in what did they do in Revenge of the Planet Fucking Ape shameless. for the scene where they go to the professor and the professor tells them all about like the, the Templar Knights. <laughs> did they just cut that bit out? Just have some guy going every time they mention Templars, some other voice comes in and goes ape, <laughs> <laughs> monkey. <laughs> Come on, Berhidia, we have to get away from the Templar Knights. <laughs> 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 uh, that's nuts 
<laughs> I don't know. Love that. I don't know what to make of that. that absolutely piece of love information. that. It's so so good. <laughs> Obviously, the uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Um, but as I said, Night of the Seagulls was a uh, video nasty. And yeah. I think uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. I don't think it was released on VHS in a pre-cert format before the video recording site came through. So it definitely wasn't picked up like a kind of by the uh, video nasty kind of um, furor. True. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but there was an interesting thing when the BBFC finally classified it. I think they classified it in 1987, but in a really really cut format. Mm-hmm. And then one of their annual reports, I think, because it was released, it must have been re-submitted re, re, um, for classification in 2005 uh, by Anchor Bay. Nice wee uh, an interesting thing you can read on the BBC's annual report that was put out for that year. So they said, uh, in, interestingly, the 1973 Spanish horror film uh, Return of the Evil Dead, which is obviously a sequel, by director Romando de Asori was classified 18 with restoration of cuts to female nudity in conjunction with knife use in a ritual sacrifice. Okay. However, that director's 1971 alternative version of the same story, <laughs> uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead, while having over one minute of material stored, still required a 16-second cut to eroticized violence. Uh, a third Osorio film, the 1987 Night of the Seagulls, exploring the same theme of Undead Knights Templar requiring ritual female sacrifice, was passed at 18 with all previously cut material restored. So it seems like the um, the version that they classified as Tombs of the Blind Dead in the Anchor Bay must, it must still have a bit of... Um, uh, material cut out of it because pro- probably the sacrifice scene because they don't like um, eroticized violence so any kind of sight of like the swords slashing the naked breasts and stuff like that they were probably trying to maybe kind of yeah. trim and stuff yeah so I think that was more or less cut from the version I watched anyway the bit where they're running yeah. past at the start with the swords the, yeah. yeah the ritual sacrifice I don't think you actually see any uh, wounding yeah. actually it's in the uncut version, you don't see a you, you don't see a lot. Although actually, the bits you do see are maybe even slightly more like slightly more grotesque. It's not all blood. You actually like see like split flesh instead of like well. blood. But I I think it's maybe like it's the cheapness of the uh this like the special effects that makes it sort of slightly more disturbing that way. Mm. It looks like actual cut meat, although it looks like maybe like cut chicken. Like, uh, okay, you know, cut chicken. Yeah, you know, when, like you cut a chicken and it doesn't fucking bleed. Obviously, not a sorry, not a chicken, but cut chicken. Uh, like, yeah, like there's a really really bad scene during, during that sacrifice bit where like the the <clears throat> it's supposed to be like a, basically a close up of one of the knights like kind of sucking blood and it's just like yeah. it doesn't doesn't even look like a human's chest. It just looks like a wall of plastic. Yeah, it just yeah. looks absolutely <laughs> shit. <laughs> I know. I'm having a wee Madeira. That's because it's uh, mm, Portugal. Portugal, nice. Um, I was watching, a, I found a review for this on YouTube. It's some fella that reviews various different films. like, But uh, mm-hmm. he basically just described what happened in it, like more than review it. But then he sort of mentioned, oh, and there's like a, some interest in subtext to this film. And he basically just mentioned that Franco existed, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, was Franco? Franco was still... In power, yeah, he was. He was yeah. I mean, that's basically why the why it was filmed in Portugal. Like Jess Franco was the same. Loads of Jess Franco's early stuff was filmed in Portugal because uh, Franco had such strict rules as to what you could film and things like that. So things like nudity and violence were kind of really, really yeah. um, clamped down upon. So most loads of Spanish filmmakers would make all their films in Portugal, where those didn't exist, and they just made them for the export yeah. market to you know basically go to 
uh, France, Germany, the Netherlands, the US, and the UK. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, like, I guess there's your your Pasolini Pasolini esque kind of commentary, but hmm. uh, interestingly, I was uh, doing a bit of uh, I, I was I was doing a bit of writing on this um, for a while, a while ago, and as a result, I got in touch with the BBFC press office and actually uh-huh. and actually got them to send me through the examiner's notes. Uh-huh. From when the examiners were doing this, and so I got this years and years and years ago, but I've still, yeah, I've still got cool. the examiner's notes, and there's some interesting stuff. So when they were originally um, classifying it in Say, 1973, this is really fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> boring. Because <laughs> um, it was classified, it was classified for a theatrical release in 1973, and it got an X certificate, which is the equivalent of 18. Yeah. Um, so what have we got? Oh, yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, quite funny, actually. This sounds like they were really bored. It says real one. <laughs> Virtually remove the whole of the pre-credit sequence, <laughs> uh, and then it says, uh, "Real three, remove shot of frog falling into a pool of blood on the floor." Right? Why? That's I don't weird. know. Reduce to a minimum shots of Virginia being burnt to death. Um, considerably reduce the episode in which Pedro rapes better. Sick. Removing blues. Yeah. Reduce the minimum. Okay. Did they say sick? Yeah, because the, right. the examiner had written better rather than bet. Yeah. Um, so, and then in 19, 1988, when it was being classified for video, some of the examiner notes say, uh, in the scene where Virginia is burnt to death, the number of shots of her burning and screaming in agony must be reduced. Shot of dummy, <laughs> shot of dummy burning may be retained. Uh, in scene where skeletons board train, remove all sight of little girl being attacked and bloodily mauled. <laughs> 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 and, re- and remove similar shots of little girl covered in blood and screaming. <laughs> oh. This is a good note. Uh, uh, at one ten twenty six, remove sight of Roger's bloody stump after skeletons have cut off his right arm. <laughs> <laughs> That first cut in the first uh, reviewer's notes. Yeah, they're just artistic ones. The first, the first one remove the credit sequence. <laughs> just like uh, sure, that's not a censorship. Does issue. the credit like... sequence count as the sacrifice? Yeah. Exactly. Oh wait, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, what we're talking uh, about. Yeah, they were okay. talking about the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. sacrifice scene. So it says uh, the girl can be placed in the cruciform, but after that, reaction shots on the faces of her slayers only are allowed. So you're not you're not allowed to see her face or her body or anything. Only the um, yeah reaction shots of that. And then it was arguably it, actually that could have a, a slightly more disturbing effect as well. Well, that's the thing as well because you, you know because left to your it, imagination. Yeah, because when it does cut to the shit shit effects, it's quite funny. Whereas if you actually mm-hmm. left to imagine a girl mm-hmm. being naked and mutilated, it's obviously a lot worse. Yeah. So the 1994 cuts again. There's not really. It's like fewer cuts, basically, but it says that 76 minutes remove sight of man raping woman by cutting all material after he's pushed her to the ground and resuming an extreme long shot of him dying on top of her in cemetery. Oh, it must be lying on top of her. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it must, yeah. Be, it must have been a misprint. Um, But yeah, so I just thought it was really interesting to share because... Um, yeah, they are interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting to know uh, what they were, what they were it, thinking. Uh, also, like, tells you that reviewers... Uh, Become slightly more coherent over time as well. Yeah. First one. Yeah. Uh, those guys didn't give a shit about their job. No. No. <laughs> um, and I was also reading, actually, interestingly, um, Jess Franco and uh, Paul Nashi as well. Actually, um, another kind of famous Spanish director. They they made uh, kind of rip offs of the Blind Dead stuff. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, so Jess Frank, a film called Mansion of the Living Dead, I think it was called, and it was starring uh, Lena Rome, and I think it was kind of like a softcore porn version of, um, <laughs> of course. The Blind Dead. Uh, and there was, there was another famous director um, of kind of Spanish exploitation with the same period called Paul Nashi, but that was one. Mm-hmm. That was like his uh, pseudonym because then most Spanish directors tried to, most of the time gave themselves like uh, English sounding names, and for some reason he he thought that Paul Nashi sounded like a, like an American's name. So <laughs> Nashi is spelled N A S C H Y. Paul Nashi. It sounds like uh, it sounds like a, a cartoon's name. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Jess Franco used to invent pseudonyms um, and give himself the names of like famous jazz musicians because he loved uh, jazz so much. Like some of some of his films, his pseudonym is Clifford Brown, who apparently is a big uh, famous jazz musician or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just a, a, a weird period in uh, Spanish cinema and kind of horror, horror filmmaking. Before, before the Italians had really started to kind of get into it, like Bava was making giallo films... Argento was starting to kind of make giallo films, but the Spanish were way ahead. The Spanish were doing weird kind of fantastical zombies yeah. and werewolf films and mm-hmm. kind of looking back to what Hammer were doing and things like that. I mean, they kind of got there before the Italians in a way, and uh, the the Blind Dead series is um, one of the prime examples of that, and I absolutely fucking love the Blind Dead. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Have you, I was actually just looking, you reminded me of a film I've been meaning to look up for a long time, uh, just when you were talking about Franco's sort of... Uh, Mansion porn movie, uh, Nude for Satan. Has anyone ever seen it? No, <laughs> I wouldn't bother Nude it. Shit it. Uh, but it's like it's similar. It's like a big castle in fucking I don't know Italy somewhere, and uh, all these people like uh, get drawn to it and then end up getting nude for Satan, basically, and uh, 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 get, get lured into their demise. I think. Uh, but it, I think it used to be on the horror channel. It was on one of those weird cable channels every now and then, and you would catch it and uh, like really late at night and uh it was sort of worth a watch if if you had fucking nothing else going on in your life like <laughs> but uh <laughs> what a review <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i haven't seen it in about 12 years oh. yeah. this this film sort of made me wonder what's the point of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sort of, it made me wonder about uh, like something we've we've obviously talked about a lot, but like about horror films with horror films that have women that are written really shitly. There, obviously, there are definitely horror films where like with you know well written women, but like yeah, um, obviously, in the wider context of everything, and like nobody has missed this that like there are like culture cinematic culture and a wider culture is undergoing some sort of like you know a, a very timely renaissance in like how uh women are portrayed and like you know things that were judged as acceptable for kitsch value even are now sort of becoming slightly less or much less uh tolerable in like it, you know just with the you know the slightly more enlightened view of things that people are are thankfully taking you know so it made me think a lot about like about a lot of the movies that I used to like just be like ha 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 this is this is good fun and now like I just have and for a while I've had like just a lot less taste for them and it's not I've had like an enlightenment or something it's just like or it's not like I've I've discovered myself it's just like you know when you get a bit older and you're like fucking hell these movies <laughs> and you like and when you get a bit older and you discover you know you just get a bit more used to like the tropes in writing and you get a bit jaded by them and everything and mm. it's maybe start to wonder like 
are there like how many what's the percentage out there of horror movies that are have you know good women characters or just fucking good characters you know mm-hmm. an equal balance of characters so it, it made me think a lot about that as well it wasn't the first thing obviously that made me think about it but um and i suppose you know. it's pretty pervasive at all film not just yeah no, very much so yeah horror films uh, I think like uh, I think was it the Guardian. I had an article the other day about uh, yeah. watching like eighties films and yeah, uh, in yeah. respect of the the B two movement and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they like, actually t- touched upon something that I had kind of um, thought about recently because just before, it was Halloween, and Tamsin and I were kind of just having preparing for a night of mulled wine and cu- pumpkin carving and stuff. So I put on Ghostbusters two. It was on Netflix. Yeah, and I was watching and thinking, Jesus, this is this is horrendous. Like. Peter Venkman is a fucking prick. I know, and he used to be a fucking hero. Yeah, and like, <laughs> yeah. thinking back to Ghostbusters 1, and this is one of the point, things that I I thought about recently, and then it was mentioned in that Guardian article, where like, at the, the opening scene is Peter Venkman, he's basically doing that, um, oh, you know, I'll hold up a card, and these two people have to tell me whether or not they can see the symbol, because, you know, yeah. basically see whether or not they're, they're uh, telepathic. And he's basically yeah. like zapping the guy, and like really, really sleazily coming on to like the, the attractive girl. Yes, yeah. I just, you know, it took me yeah. years to work out what the fuck was going on. There. I know, me <laughs> too. Kid. When you were a kid, you didn't I used really, to watch it when nice. I was like seven. I was like, I don't know, I don't get this. Um, and then there's a point at one point in Ghostbusters whenever um, he's having one of the they're having the big argument in the mayor's office, and this this woman says something basically to contradict what the Ghostbusters are saying, and uh, Peter Venkman responds by going, "Kitten." You know, and then he does his retort. He's <laughs> yeah. like, he calls her kitten. I was like, you, pat- yeah, you sick. fucking patronizing prick. <laughs> like I don't care if you disagree with her just because she's a woman you can't call her kitten you dickhead yeah. um, do you know that that scene as well uh, there's a bit where the environmental protection agency guy yeah who uh, actually I, I read a, I read an article recently about like how he's the only fucking sensible character in the movie and yeah. I was like oh yeah fuck he is yeah you're right of course yeah. he is and they're like oh stupid yeah. fucking environment oh but, fuck yeah. off oh, there's, bloody uh, environmental <laughs> protection agency oh fuck you <laughs> there is a bit where uh, he said he like makes a like a claim about what the Ghostbusters have been doing it's sort of responsible and then Venkman says like yeah Dick this here made a shut off the generator and then the mayor says is this true and he says yes it's true this man has no dick and I remember being like about three or four years old <laughs> having watched that like a load of times and like being at like a a lunch with my like granny and my mum and like I think there was a nun there <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, some other old women and uh, somebody said oh is that true and I said that's true this man has no dick <laughs> Jesus. and everybody was like what <laughs> and uh, yeah it's one of my earliest memories but yes yeah, something like uh, Tombs of the Blind that's Dead is you know <laughs> you you know when you're watching it that like no no character is going to be intelligent, let alone oh, intelligent. Exactly. Women. It's, it's not even like the men are amazing and the women are shit. It's like everyone's shit. Yeah, if anything, everybody's shit as well. Yeah, if anything, uh, the, the women are better than the men because the women actually manage to attack and escape from the blind dead. Whereas Roger gets his arm cut off because he's shit. Pedro mm-hmm. just stands and lets them kill him. And the professors are wanker. The uh, police officers are wankers. Train drivers. Train drivers are wankers. Are... No, is Roger's never... death his own fault, though? Hmm? Uh, is is Roger's death really his own fault? Because uh, like, he they wouldn't open the door for him. Yeah, but he could He could have also just run through them and brushed past them. Roger's the <laughs> whole thing happened. Roger's, like, rampant sex drive. He's a testosterone fucking monster. And uh, if he had just kept his fucking hands to himself, none of this would have happened. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, true. <laughs> or if they jumped off the train and gone after Virginia. Yeah, but uh, but the the, I, I love at the beginning of the train driver, <laughs> the train driver because because when you see like any person of any profession in any movie, they seem to be explaining their job, and the train driver is explaining to the other like his son, who is obviously a, a train driver about how a fucking train works, and <laughs> just because it's the start of the movie and they need to have some sort of exposition to say these guys are train drivers, other than they're driving a fucking train. Like I love the bit where. <laughs> She gets asked for a ticket as well, and she's like, "I ah, there's some fella back there, has it? I know. Oh, okay. Looking at him. Thank you. Enjoy your I trip. thought that was definitely like a sign of the time, like um, women are just the, these other beings. Like, oh, of course, the woman isn't going to have the ticket. The man will have the ticket. Okay, senora. <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> Um, and then, like, uh, doesn't she try to bribe him as well to stop the train? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. and he's he's fair player to him. Like, he's uh, I know, yeah. yeah he's, he's no, the, yeah. the train drivers are. I, I argue the train drivers are dicks. I don't think they are. I think no, they they're, they're, they're the only the only good guys in the in this. Yeah, uh. but but you know, like again, like no one's ever just like, oh no, you shouldn't go in there. There's like these weird, um, like skeletal, uh, like living dead type things. Like, um, yeah, be shitty hands. Come be, out, yeah. Basically, if they hear your heartbeat, they'll rise from their tombs and, and, and um, <laughs> eat you. So I wouldn't go in there. Okay, and even... no, nobody's filled it in with concrete. <laughs> I don't know why. Fucking hell. <laughs> Even like uh, whenever Beth is like ringing Nina to kind of say, you know, make sure you lock the door. She doesn't go, oh, by the way, um, like my friend was murdered and like the cops think there's like ritual killings going on. So actually, if I was you, I'd lock up right now and and, uh, just go home, order a taxi. I'll pay for it. She's like, oh, yeah, make sure you lock up when you leave tonight. Nina. (laughs) I love that bit, actually. I'll tell you about uh... it. I'll tell you about it on Monday. I love that bit where Virginia comes in to attack Nina, and then there's a bit, there's a bit where Nina like uh, grabs the phone and she's like dialing this number really slowly, and Virginia's like really slowly. <laughs> and uh, instead of like Nina like actually saying what she needs, she just keeps saying hello, 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 hello. hello. <laughs> hello? Um, there's uh, also like when. When you first meet Nina, Nina is saying, oh, you're still upset about your friend who got murdered in the fucking, like, when you guys were on a happen holiday. And then she says, like, what you need is a holiday. It's like, fucking hell, you don't think it's fucking happened when you went to the holiday or make a murdered. The last Jesus, fucking holiday. <laughs> <laughs> fucking trigger words, like. It's such, it's such a ridiculous film, but I just I, I just love the aesthetic. That's that, that's what does it for me. It's the aesthetic. It's just yeah. so amazing. Such a cool horror film for like lobby posters and like t-shirts and like still images basically because like the the actual sight of the blind dead themselves is like really really cool. Yeah, it's cool, good. Really cool yeah. paintings. Like um, did, did you see any of uh, Deosorio's paintings of the blind dead? No, mm, no. Yeah, like towards the end of his life, he, it was always in the uh, on the the sidelines that he was going to do a, a remake. And I think he might have like initially two thousand and four or something started to make a re, uh, like a remake or like the second chapter, and um, but it fell through for some reason. But he he always like he did loads of cool paintings of them. If you Google like Amado de Asorio paintings, Tombs of the Blind Dead or something, he did loads of kind of cool paintings of the Blind Dead and everything. They're just such such cool characters. But I was reading yeah. actually um, this cool interview with uh, Lona Fleming who plays Beth. And she was saying that when they were making it, obviously they were making it in fucking like Spain in the summer, 
and the actors who were playing the blind dead had like all these like chins and like you know yeah, like, yeah. cloth and like their heads covered like rotting their, cloth yeah their face <laughs> covered every yeah. inch of their body covered in black heavy cloth they had like drink water all the time otherwise they would have passed out um, <laughs> fair enough also I wondered and I'm the answer is probably definitely fucking no but like did they have an influence on the way Peter Jackson created the ring wraiths in Lord of the Rings people say that similarity yeah yeah yeah. I googled that after I first saw Lord of the Rings um, I thought they looked really at the tombs of the blind dead and I think I googled it and a few people have said I like the way you did it the other way around yeah yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) saw tombs of the blind dead before before Lord of the Rings yeah cool well Peter Jackson obviously started out making horror so yeah it's like conceivable that like it was an influence, uh, exactly. yeah. and like if someone if someone remade Tombs of the Blind Dead today, they could make it amazing. Like they could make it really cool. You could make a really fucking good if, if mm-hmm. you put enough money behind it. You could make an amazing Tombs of the Blind Dead film. Yeah, you could. There was actually uh, a pretty decent fan film made recently um, over the past few years. It's called like Island of the Blind Dead, and it was right. made by a woman it on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah. it was made by a woman called uh, Emma Dark, who's done loads uh-huh. of. Um, Oh, I know what Yeah, like yeah. Her, her big thing seems to be vampire films. She's done like a few yeah. of her own kind of like um, starred in and directed a few of her own kind of uh, vampire films. But um, she and her friend, I think, made uh, this fan film called uh, Island of the Blind Dead. It's really, really beautifully filmed. All right, really cool. Good. Yeah. You see it on YouTube. Check it out. Oh. Good. <laughs> so, has anyone else got anything to want to say about uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead? Is it time to do our wee uh, final scores? I'm happy to give it a score. Fleabag? Yeah, yeah, I'll go for a score. Okay, um, well, I better get my phone in the go then, get my uh, stopwatch. And your timer. Um, so... I'll get, get mine in the go to time you. D, why don't you go first? Uh, uh, Mark's out of 17. Go for 7. For sake, like, <laughs> there's no way it's as bad as 7. There's just no way. Think about it. Like, yeah, have... this was this was before Dawn of the Dead. This is before Manchester Morgue. This is before Burial Ground. This is before Day of the Dead. It's before loads of stuff. Loads of loads of really. It's before the like, zombie flesh eaters. Before the Beyond. Think okay. about it. Don't forget right, there right, were right. a lot of there were a lot of planes uh, <laughs> built before the Wright brothers as well, and they, those fucking things didn't fly. So you okay, know, I'll go just first. because the game before doesn't make it better. Think about it. I'll change, I'll change it to six then. Why is that? <laughs> Seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, free bag. You ready to go? Oh God, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Uh, bit boring. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything else to say. I just didn't really enjoy it that much. Wasn't scared. Done. I can't believe it. I thought you guys were <laughs> were going to take a, like a bit more from it. I kind of thought more of you, Crazy P. Like, I, like, like, like I thought you'd be able to see the, the you know, like the like the no, charm I, and the artistry. Yeah, you haven't heard my score yet, so okay. um, and you haven't influenced I mean, us either. Dee doesn't even like Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween, so he's not going to like this. <laughs> I know. Although somebody uh, loves the burning. I I think about nine, just under fifty percent. Yeah, just over fifty percent. Three, two, one. Go. It's badly written. The characters are a bit crap, but it has it works as a, a functional horror movie at times, but not enough times. Done. My go. Okay. You're gonna give it eighteen. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. Yeah. And are you ready to tell us why? In three, two, one, go. Beautifully encapsulates the aesthetic of an amazing period in Spanish horror. Really, really cool makeup. Really, really cool zombies. 
Uh, decent deaths, decent gore, really atmospheric, brilliant soundtrack. Class. Amazing. Done. <laughs> the soundtrack is good, you have to admit. Holy it goly, is good. Poly, yeah, it is good. Your eloquence on it speaks volumes. Uh, <laughs> it. Yeah. But. Are you just glad you watched it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, I am. I'm always sort of glad I watch, watch and yeah. digest these things way. Yeah. So yes, uh, you are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, young Fleabag, it's your your uh, choice for next time. Yeah. What are we watching? Uh, I, I, I think I'm just gonna pick Basket Kiss. Oh! Ah, <laughs> Amazing. Yes. So, something a bit more because I've never actually watched it before. So. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, no. I. Uh, I remember like uh, a few years ago when I worked in an office, uh, there was a guy who, um, oh, <laughs> really nice guy, but like really fucking frank. And he uh, used to like, used to always ask me like opinions on like uh, films and stuff. And uh, he mostly liked them, but I always like always raved about Basket Case. And then Film 4 about yeah whatever whenever that was showed like basket case one two and three and like friday saturday and sunday night and it was like john you gotta fucking watch basket case uh the fucking is there are three of them are there more yeah yeah um three, yeah. you gotta watch basket case movies they're on this weekend and i came back on monday and he was like i'm never i, I can't even fucking look at you <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> like i can't fucking look at you what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> really <laughs> to watch tim's of the blind Death. <laughs> <laughs> I also like had recommended Field in England around the same time, and he's like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" And uh, Basket Case is awesome. Yeah, it's so a uh, properly, properly good film. It is good. Yeah, you you will I love like it. It's, it's properly. Yeah, you will love it. You absolutely oh. love it. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, cl- classic Forty Second Street, uh, New York, nineteen seventies exploitation horror. Amazing, amazing film. So funny. Oh. Nice wicker. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, I uh, actually, I wanted to uh, give uh, some podcast recommendations. There are two podcasts that have sprung up since we've last recorded. One of our one of our listeners, actually, who is a friend of mine, has started recording a comics podcast called Granin, which is Irish for comics comic podcast. That's good, and uh, also on SoundCloud. Another friend of mine who is partner of of Connor who records Grannon uh, uh, History is Sexy podcast which is like uh, uh, interesting takes on history like what the fuck is World War One and what the fuck is you know what the fuck are anti-popes and stuff uh, so cool like yeah two mm. cool podcasts to check out also on SoundCloud you don't even need to change your fucking app so <laughs> it's it searched that was ridiculously Belfastful <laughs> you, you don't even need to change your fucking up. <laughs> yeah. um, there we go. Cool. So uh, yeah, thanks guys for uh, sitting through uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead, and hopefully my, my next one won't be as boring. <laughs> Is it going to be a Jess Franco film? Uh, no, it won't be a Jess Franco film. But I've got a few things lined up. Okay. Should watch Nude for Satan and then okay. decide if you want okay. to use it. I think I, you'd probably like Nude for Satan. It's... Probably. <laughs> I think everybody would really. Um, but yeah, so uh, until next time when we watch Basket Kiss, it's uh, um, goodbye from young young uh, David Hanna. Fuck off! <laughs> and goodbye from young Crazy P. <laughs> and uh, fuck off! <laughs>